Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, John Worth, I'm here. It's this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. Another busy week in tennis, a full slate of events all over the globe before everyone converges on Miami for the Miami Open. Our guest this week, Casper Ruud. He is 22, doesn't turn 23 until the week of Christmas. He is already the best Norwegian player in history. He's a lovely guy and he is rising the ranks. He's sort of a man without a country. Uh, Norway notwithstanding. He's a smidge too old for the Felix Oje Aliasim Yannick Sinner cohort. He's a bit too young for the Zverev, Rublev, Medvedev cohort. Um, but he's a fine player who has halved his ranking over the past uh, 12 months or so. This is a fun conversation about Norway. Um, he sells us on uh, going to Norway, maybe even living in Norway. Uh, he talks about tennis and COVID, gives us some thoughts on the big three. He has a special affection for Nadal, um, having trained at the Nadal Academy in Mallorca. Uh, fun conversation. Uh, I enjoyed this. I trust you will as well. Here from Acapulco um, on a day off is Casper Root. How are you doing? How's your, I just saw, how's your first visit to Acapulco? It's good. It's a um, nice place. It's really hot here. So uh, it's a bit of a challenge, I think, for especially for me being from uh, Norway. But it's uh, I've gotten used to it and uh, and I uh, and I enjoy now. <laughs> I want to ask you about Norway. We can, we can talk tennis in a second, but uh, did did you know Norway sells more electric cars per capita than the U.S.? Did you? Know, uh, I have you seen that commercial? Have you seen Will Ferrell? I didn't know the yeah yeah, yeah I've seen that barely uh, yeah uh, a couple of weeks ago, but yeah I know they Norway is a big electric car country. Uh, we have like no taxes or anything on the electric cars so so it's uh i can imagine that it's uh, bigger than i i've heard like california and norway are like the two biggest places for the electric cars exactly no i, I feel yeah. like norway uh I, you know i don't know if you sense that coming from there i feel like norway is having a bit of a moment it's become a very uh become a very trendy country lately i don't know if you feel that yeah maybe i don't know it's not like a very big country and we're not too many people but uh I feel like most of the Americans, they've heard about, you know, Denmark and Sweden, but not so much Norway. But uh, hopefully the next years we can, uh, Norway can uh, show, up on, show up on the map a little bit more. <laughs> but uh, all right, keep, keep going. What, what should people know about Norway? Sorry? 
How do you describe it? What, what should people know? I, I think you're right. People say, oh, Scandinavia, I've been to Copenhagen and I love, you know, Stockholm. What, what should people know about Norway? I think that uh, Norway is the best country in Scandinavia <laughs> out, of the th- out of the three. Uh, no, but um, it's a very nice and calm place. Um, like I said, we're not many, too many people. We're only five million or so. So uh, it's, uh, it's a very well working country, I would say. And we have all four seasons. We have a beautiful summer. Um, you know, I think many people uh refer it to or when they think about Norway they either you know see snow or they see like the the beautiful mountains and the fjords that we have uh like the the scenery there and some cool mountains we have where you can kind of be on the edge of a a very steep uh steep fall so we have some kind of places and not monuments but like uh bucket list places to go I think if you're visiting Norway um and yeah, like I said, it, it's, I like being from a country that has four seasons, uh, even though, you know, winters are cold and it's, uh, it's, uh, can be a challenge sometimes for me traveling. But, um, uh, other than that, you know, we, we're, we're, uh, I think we're a nice group of people and welcoming. We, we, we are, uh, we're, we're happy to, for anyone to come into the country and visit and stay as long as they want. So, I mean, it's, uh, I think we're a good, uh, good kind of people. <laughs> Bold. You're a great ambassador. Uh, <laughs> you sold me. What, um, what, what's the tennis scene like? In Norway? Yeah. It's, uh, it's not a very big tennis country. Um, you know, like, as you, as you probably could, could guess, it's, it's mostly like, well, we do like six months of the year indoors and six months of the year outdoors. So, I mean, it's like a 50-50 split. And, but, but the problem is kind of the, the tennis culture, you know, like other countries in Europe, let's say Germany or Italy or, or these places, you kind of have a, you have a, you have a club and you have a nice restaurant where you can hang out later and have some lunch or even dinner. And it's like a more like a hangout place than, than just a tennis club. But while in Norway, we, we don't really have any uh, clubs that work like that, you know, where you have a nice restaurant, maybe, uh, owned by a local family or something like this where where you know people would play an hour or two and then hang out in the in the restaurant for a couple of hours so i think that's what we're missing a little bit in norway to become like a big tennis country um because yeah like i said that that's a big thing in i know like italy france spain germany you know the places with you know cities that aren't the biggest but they have like big tennis clubs and they have a they have a restaurant, they have a gym, or or it's more like a complete package. So that's the only thing I would say that I, that is missing uh, when it comes to tennis clubs in Norway. And of course, we, we would like to have some more clubs around the country, and especially in Oslo, where, where I'm from. Uh, there are, you know, lack of courts these days. So so it's uh, it's uh, it's growing, I would say, that the, the tennis and, and more and more people are getting into it. I'm thinking the best player in the history of Norway should go home and start a club like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully one day. <laughs> he's only 22. Um, I, so t- tell me about Nadal's. I mean, you, you know, you and I met there um, before COVID, which seems like a different world. Well, let me ask you too. I mean, are you, uh, I, I feel like in the rest of the world, there's a sense things are snapping back and restaurants are starting to open and there'll, you know, there'll be some crowds in Miami. What, what's the sense about COVID? Um, 
in, in the locker room among you guys? I mean, where, where are you with all this? Is anyone getting the vaccine? What's kind of the, the COVID status? Well, no one is getting the vaccines yet. Um, but I think, you know, majority of players are a bit worried, you know, these days uh, to travel around too much. There's a risk everywhere we go. Uh, obviously, we have restrictions at all tournaments. We, we, we live in a bubble uh, every tournament we play. So, I mean, that's, that's good. But it's still like, you know, you go through airports uh, and, and there's always a risk wherever you go. And there's a risk to be, you know, test, test positive at a tournament and then be locked up for 14 days. That's like the biggest fear for the players, I think. So I think it's mixed feelings. Like uh, some, some players, you know, are very, very afraid or scared or, or I feel like they're risking too much. You know, you, you've had... I think Jill Simon recently, you know, announced that he would stay out of the tour for some time until he feels, you know, uh, ready again and feels like the tour is uh, able to to be more like normal. And I think like the biggest fear among the players is, you know, let's say um, you would test positive maybe in Rome or the week before a Grand Slam and you would have to miss, uh, miss out on a Grand Slam because you test positive. Uh, I think that's like the biggest fear. So... Uh, it, it's a bit, bit mixed feelings, you know. I'm, I think we're all, or I am at least, you know, happy we were able to play and compete. But it's also, you know, a matter of risk. And like I said, I think like airports are and airplanes are the are the biggest risk we go through when we're among other people. Obviously, we were we were wearing masks all all, all the time when we're traveling, but it's still. Um, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're advised with this virus to not touch too much, but, you know, in the day you touch a lot of things and you, without knowing, you scratch yourself in the head or, you know, that, that's, I guess that's kind of where you, 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 will, uh, you will get the virus from these days. That is very, very easy to, to get it from, you know, you're just touching stuff and, and, you, and you touch yourself in your eye or ear or nose or whatever. So I guess it's that's like the biggest one of the biggest fears for us also you know going through the airports and these things no uh no, no word about when you're going to get vaccinated no not for us um i mean i think the i think the majority of players would probably not want to get vaccinated especially with this uh astra seniga which are you know having some uh some uh, some effects uh, after the vaccine that, that you can get a bit sick, but I'm no. I don't have too much to say about it. But uh, but uh, we, no word on on our or on, on if we will get uh, vaccinated at all. Gotcha. Um, so you were saying I, I you know but before any of this craziness, uh, we we were talking. Uh, I remember I had a very nice conversation with you at Nadal at a different different yeah. time at a different place. What um. How'd you decide to go there and uh, what, what do you tell people about training in Mallorca? How do you describe it? Well, I tell them that it's great. You know, you, you've been there, you've seen the facility and they're expanding and, and growing also with a new, uh, with like 15 new courts or something. So, so it's definitely one of the best, you know, uh, fo- uh, ten places to focus on your career in tennis to become a good tennis player in the, in the world. And, and Mallorca is a nice place. It's a nice island, especially, you know, from... Uh, March until November, December month. It's 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 a great place to be. You know, you have the winter like everywhere else. That can be a little bit cold and windy and these things. Especially Mallorca, as as it is an island. But 
you know, 10 or nine months of the year, it's, it's really beautiful and nice. So you, you have the tennis and you also have a nice scenery where you can go and relax. So it's, it's a perfect, uh, perfect fit, I think, for a tennis player. And, you know, look at Rafa. He's, uh, he's, he's one of the greatest of all time. And that's where he's from and has done all his life and training in Mallorca. So I guess that's a good uh, indication yeah. of how good of a place it is. What, what, what did you learn from him? What did you learn observing him? I think just that, um, uh, you know, I, I've been a, I've been a fan of him since I was, you know, started watching tennis, and he's been my uh, biggest idol and the one that I've looked up to the most uh, of all the players. And and I remember, you know, I think he was probably the first one I watched on TV, and you know, dreaming about being on on TV myself, playing, you know, big tournaments and big uh, big matches. So so he's kind of. Uh, one of the one of the reasons I really wanted to go for a professional career, and I and I remember even from a young age, you know, when you're eight or ten years old, you, you it's just a dream. But then, after when you reach twelve, thirteen, fourteen, it becomes more of a real a realisa- real realization. Uh, and and you know, I, I've I've oh sorry, I've observed him, you know, for many years already, and especially you know, getting the chance to go there in to Mallorca and become uh, or see him up close and personal and even practicing with him it's been a very big motivation and I think I've learned the most that you know even though how much he's won he's still you know extremely humble and works as hard today as he did 15 years ago and he wants to go for more and more and I think that's uh, you know one of the the things that you know defines him as a tennis player you know how, how hard of a work, how hard of a worker he is and how humble he is and how how determined he is to be to become a better player all the time. I, I was looking. Uh, I was looking for you on social media. If if you didn't know better, I would think you were a golfer that uh, <laughs> yeah. played a little bit of tennis. Uh, well, <laughs> you have a very nice swing. But but I'm wondering. I mean, Thank is, you. Is the golf a distraction, or is there is there stuff from the golf that you can incorporate into your tennis? Not really. I mean, it's eye hand coordination, both things, but. But um, the swing is like you have some similarities, you know, when generating power from your hips and legs. So that's like one thing that I would say is the same. So I'm I'm sure you know many players on the ATP tour could hit a golf or a driver pretty far because we have a lot of explosiveness and power if if, you, if we hit it well. So I think that's that's the resemblance. But but. Um, I mean, golf is, is something else. I mean, you, you have way more time, I think, in between your shots. In, in a tennis match, you probably hit thousands of shots. But uh, in a golf round, you try to hit as few shots as possible. So you're either between, you're between 60 and 70 shots, usually. So it, you, you hit way fewer shots in golf. But wait, uh, uh, wait, speak, speak for yourself. How, how many shots? <laughs> No, I mean when you. No, not not for me. But when you when you're a pro, I mean, I mean okay. the, the pro the professional guys they. Right. I mean the me. I'm between seventy and eighty, so I'm I can't uh, right. I can't say that I'm six sixty to seventy, but seventy to eighty. So you but, but in tennis you hit you know probably, mm-hmm. hundreds or even thousands of shots during one match. So, but I think one thing that is. Um, that has the most similarities. I think if you want to win the tournament, either in tennis or golf, you, you need to perform very well, you know, day in, day out for at least four days in golf. Tennis is usually five or six uh, where you play a new match every day. So I think, you know, the 
the the focus you have in in both sports needs to be on top um throughout the whole week and golf is more you know weekend from thursday to sunday but uh you know in tennis you also finish on the sunday usually and the final is on the sunday so there are some things but um i i use it mostly for uh, for my own pleasure and fun and enjoying the enjoying the game enjoying you know days off on the golf course it's uh, uh you know the, the one thing that i i like about golf is that you don't have to run as much as tennis <laughs> you're the uh i think you're in the running for best golfer in the history of norway too though um no uh, no what's the best what's the, what's the best course you played i've played a couple good ones in the states um it's tough to say. I mean, mm, I played one in Orlando that is called Lake Nona, which I thought was really nice. Really? Uh, it's more like a private club where you where you need to play with a member or be invited by a member. So it's not the easiest to get on. But I was lucky enough a couple of years ago to play there. And, you know, the, the conditions were just, were just great. I know a lot of pga players they live there on the on the area uh you know you know you have james polter and 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 these guys staying there living there and having their base there so that was a really fun experience and some other places in florida i've played uh one course called stream song which is a bit further south and um yeah i wanted to play the tpc sawgrass last time i was there but it was they just done the sanding of the of the greens and everything so it was a bit of a the conditions weren't you know what we were hoping for uh and it was still 500 bucks so it was uh i didn't feel like paying 500 bucks to play on sanded greens so you, you but uh, I, I will i will i will probably go there one time in my life to play tpc sawgrass because i just watched it on on the TV last week when Thomas won and it just looks amazing. You just need to walk up to the pro shop and say, I'm the best tennis player in the history of Norway. <laughs> and uh, so cover your dreams, Steve. What, um, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you, so you're, you're, you're 22 years old. I think your ranking, you've, you've cut it by half in the last 12 months. Um, if, if this were a, a stock, it's very much headed in the right direction. Um, but I, I'm kind of curious for someone in your position, what is your relationship with these three guys at the top that have won 58 majors among them. I mean, what, where are you sort of relative to the big three and what is the dynamic between a guy like you 10 years younger, 12 years younger, 15 years younger in the case of Roger than the rest of the field? What, what, how does that sort of align? It's, I think they're all great guys. And, you know, I, I know Rafa the best, obviously. Um, but I played against Roger and Novak in, in the match and, and they were they were nice to me, you know, both on the court and off the court after the match. And, you know, when I see them, they, they, they say hi, they come up to me and say hi, you know, how you're doing and all these things. And I, and I think that's really nice because, you know, they have probably hundreds and thousands of people in their life that they can say hi to and that they actually you know, come to say hi to me in the gym or whatever it is. I think that shows, you know, that they're great guys. And, you know, the last time was uh, Djokovic at the Australian Open. You know, he, he didn't have to come and say hi to me in the gym when I was warming up, but he still did. And I, and I thought it was nice. So uh, they, they're nice guys and they know how to, uh, they know how to, you know, uh, behave well. And 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 um, they've been in the game for a long time. And, and I think they... They, maybe they also have some experience from when they were growing up and maybe, you know, I don't know, Sam Press came to Roger when he was young maybe and said hi and maybe Roger, you know, felt, you know, that was a cool thing. And then 
you know, he, I'm I'm sure he 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 had someone he looked up to and wants to not copy. But uh, I'm I'm sure he knows that it's a nice feeling for the the young guys to to be greeted by him and and uh, and you know all all three of the guys. But you know, I would say I, I know Rafa better, and we 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 say hi all the time. We see each other at the tournaments, and he's following up. He sends me some messages here and there when I play matches and and do well. So it's he's the most uh, most or he's the closest I'm, I'm to. But um, the the two other ones are are just as uh, nice as him. Right. Um, what do you think the difference is? Biggest difference: best of three versus best of five. I mean, it it seems like you guys really get your teeth into these events you know, the, the 500s and, and, and the thousands and, and even the 250s. Um, and then when it moves to best of five and you're playing majors, it's the, the, the three guys are still winning a lot. Um, what's, what's the biggest difference, best of three, best of five? I think um, for me, it's the physical part. I think um, it's tough to, to, you know, when you t- play tough five setters or even tough four setters, it's 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 something else than playing a tough three setter. Um, even though you have a day off, uh, the day after usually at a Grand Slam, it's it's just um, for me. I I felt like Australian Open, you know, this year where I did the best, it it was tough to to get the body hundred percent ready for every match because uh, you're tearing you're basically tearing your body apart for every match you play in the in the best out of five sets. So you're playing three sets at least every match, and and I think that the three best ones know they 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 know this. So they're I feel like they're very sharp in the opening rounds, and they they very rarely give away any sets because they know that it's much more comfortable to win in straight sets than having to play four or five sets. Um, but obviously, they're still able to play five sets if they have to in the first round, and then be ready for the the second round. So I think. A little bit of experience on on how they've done this in the in the past that they they know how to recover well and they know you know what's important and what's not as important. But you see like Rafa how how greedy he is usually in the in the first rounds first stages in the in in the major because he you know he'd rather save the energy for the semifinal or the finals or the quarterfinals or whenever it might be where he really has to suffer. And um, you know it's it surprised me you know how well. Tsitsipas came back from from two zero down against Rafa at the, at the Australian Open, where where uh, you know Rafa was up to two sets to love, and it's uh, not often that uh, he loses when he's up two zero. But you know Tsitsipas really showed that he was there for it. He was physically strong enough and mentally also. I think it's it's a complete package with physically and mentally. But I think for me, I think that I felt at least for now that. Um, it, it's t- much much tougher physically to play uh, best out of five sets than than three because yeah you know that you're at least playing three sets and 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 the hours are way more than a, than the best out of three match you can get a, get out of a, you know yesterday I played one hour and ten or fifteen minutes but at the at the Grand Slam you would probably at least have to play two hours or two and a half for sure it doesn't matter how how um, how easy you win I mean if you win straight. I mean, you know, Roger has won, you know, some matches in one hour and thirty or these things, but that's not that's not normal. But usually, you have to be two hours on court at least every match you play in the Grand Slam, and that's a little bit more and and uh, more than usual. 
or more than the best out of three sets. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I saw um, when, when you were in Australia, I, I saw you, you had a great line. You said sort of now more than ever, uh, um, I don't have it in front of me, but you, the word for the effect, of, it's now more than ever, it's very important to stay positive. Um, but sort of with not just the quarantine, but with, with the travel and with the uncertainty, being positive is very important. I think there's a lot to that. What, what are you optimistic about right now? What, what is the greatest source of positive uh, for you right now? Well, I think that, you know, when we come to the summer times, uh, you know, around Wimbledon times, that's what they kind of uh, speculate or hope for, that, you know, things will be almost back to normal. Uh, we've, I think we've been saying that for the last months, you know, all the time. But, you know, now as we, we, we get more or more people get vaccinated, uh, you know, more and more people can probably come to the tournaments, uh, watching again and spectators and, and we will see what, hap- what will happen to us players if we can move around more than, than before or if it's still bubble for us. But, but I think like what, what, uh, what motivates, you know, most of players now, I think it's just, you know, living like normal again and not having to do the bubble life because, uh, uh, you know, it sounds, I mean, I think it's, we are a bit spoiled that we can, you know, complain about the bubble life because, Usually we are very well taken care of at the tournaments and we have a very nice and comfortable life. So, you know, there are many people in the world that are suffering way more than us who have to be in a bubble kind of thing. But but it's, uh, but I think that's, you know, a motivation and, you know, like a light of the light in the tunnel for us players that, you know, we, we are allowed to go out and have a dinner or, you know, walk around in the city and, and these things because it's, it's obvious that the bubble life is, uh, is, uh, is a challenge in another way than than what our usual lives are. But so I think, uh, and and that's for me as well. You know, to be able to let's say play Wimbledon and you go out and have a or New York, you, you play the U.S. Open, you go to a nice restaurant on Manhattan after a good win or a good match, and and these things are you know things that we we enjoy as players because we we're so focused on our careers and play tennis so much that it's nice to kind of. Uh, break it off at night with a with a nice you know meal in a restaurant or walking around in the city seeing seeing the skyline for half an hour or these things are nice nice ways for us and nice yeah nice ways for us to kind of think about something else and that's not as easy now when we're in the bubble but we we I think that's yeah one of the biggest motivations for the players these days. All right, one one more question. You uh, you did such a great job of selling Norway. If, uh, if, if, you, if you were a casual tennis fan and, you know, hey, there's this young kid from, from Norway and he, he hits a nice golf ball and he has a nice two-handed backhand, what, what are, uh, what, if, if you're a fan of Casper Ruud, what, what are you getting? What are you signing up for? If, if, I, uh, if I want to support you, what are you looking to provide me with? Well, I think that uh, <clears throat> you will see, I see, I hope, some consistency, you know, I'm not the I'm not the player with you know a big flashy game I would say but it's 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 quite consistent and I try to play as aggressive as I can but uh, I don't mind you know being being on the defense either and even you know some people would probably look at me as a grinder because I do well on on clay and play with more topspin than, than than maybe others and and like I said I'm not like the the biggest flashy or show off player there is but <clears throat> I have some. Uh, in my mind, at least, some cool winners as well, and and uh, and some big winners. You know, I like to run around with a forehand as well, and and go for my winners with a forehand. So, um, 
but I think uh, you know consistency and and uh, you can probably say a little bit boring compared to other flashy players, but uh, you know I, I can't do the jumping backhand like Chapeau or the <laughs> or the crazy passings like Medvedev or these things, but. But uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm sticking to my game, and uh, and if you're a fan of me, you will, uh, you will have a good uh, look at what my game is, and you will have a good, uh, yeah, sense of my game plan. I think. Good answer. You sold yourself a little short. You're, you're plenty fun to watch. Um, all right. Last, last time I saw you, you were number fifty. You're number twenty-five now. So uh, next time we see each other, I want you to be twelve and a half. Can, can okay. I would hope you would say one, because then I would split it again. Like we we met on the halfway, but uh, I think that's a long way until. But hopefully, it, I, I will sign up for twelve and a half. Train is uh, train's moving in the right direction. It's like it's like the yeah. uh, it's like the battery powered car from Norway. It's, everything's going yeah. in the right direction. Um, Correct. This was uh, this was fun. I enjoyed this. Thanks. Uh, Great time. Yeah, no worries. I'll have to go get going for some warm up. Go warm up. We'll talk soon. Take yeah. care. Perfect. Bye. Okay, thanks for Casper Rude. Fun conversation. That is a self-possessed 22-year-old. Uh, look to him for a lot more good stuff on the tennis court. He sells his game a bit short, too, if I'm allowed to say that. Um, he may not have the trick shot arsenal of, uh, of Nick Curios, but he is he's good fun to watch, Casper Rude is. Uh, thanks to Casper. Thanks to Jamie. Thanks to our friend Greg Sharko for the suggestion. Um, again, Jamie uh, always is doing... Great handiwork, behind-the-scenes technical uh, prestidigitation to make this happen. Uh, thanks to you all for listening. Keep the guest suggestions coming. Leave a review. Subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Check out Richard Evans' new tennis book, by the way. Um, we're off next week, but we'll be back soon with another guest. Have a good uh, week, everyone. Take care.